he succeeded because he was Mike White, uh, a person who came to this island and was open to developing real friendships and relationships with people in the game. So Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to be real. I'm going to guess the other people on the island probably had not watched Enlightened. I'm going to guess they were not familiar with that show. (laughs) I know. Isn't that disgusting? It's like, I hopefully retroactively they corrected what I see as an egregious flaw in character. But yeah, I think you're right. Welcome to TV I Say with Ashley Ray, your go-to podcast for discovering what to watch on TV and getting behind-the-scenes insight from the people who make the shows you love. You just heard a little tease of my chat with Evan Ross Katz. You've been wanting a Survivor episode, and I had to bring on an expert. So we're getting into Survivor. We're getting into, and just like that too, because come on, Evan is besties with Sarah Jessica Parker, so we have to get into it. Yeah. And it's everyone's favorite show. So I'm going to talk about it in just like that forever. <laughs> uh, but let's get into it. Enjoy my interview with Evan Ross Katz. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. You look good. But how do you feel? How about the stomach issues? Loss of muscle mass? Lacking energy? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? The answer is GNC. We have solutions that can help address those side effects and make sure you don't get knocked off your path. Because when it comes to living healthy, we're all about it. And that includes keeping you going on your GLP-1 journey. GNC. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online, and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Evan Ross Katz, welcome to TV Club. Uh, Before we dive in, do you want to tell my listeners, do you want to tell us a little about yourself and your podcast, Drop Your Buffs and Shut Up Evan? Sure. So I am predominantly a fashion and pop culture writer, occasionally a critic. Uh, I would say just like, you know, disseminator of opinions, perhaps. Um, I write for New York Magazine's The Cut, GQ, British Folk, and a number of other places. And then, yeah, I have two podcasts. So one is called Shut Up Evan, which is also a newsletter as well. And that's sort of rants and raves about, you know, things happening in the pop culture space, particularly with an eye on all things celebrity. And on Drop Your Buffs, I cover Survivor. I binge watched all, at that point, 40 seasons during COVID, (laughs) fell in love. And now I have a recap podcast where, you know, obviously we recap the show as well as have alumni on to talk about the show and then occasionally dive into like Survivor adjacent content as well. Oh, yes. And I had to have you on because the TV club has been begging me to get into Survivor for forever. They're like, Ashley, please watch again. It's good. I have not watched since high school. And so I was Mm. like, if I'm going to do this, I need to talk to an expert. I need to talk to someone who did it. How do I get into a show that has 40 plus seasons? Like, how do you even? I feel like I made the mistake when I was beginning my journey of logging on to Twitter.com or then Twitter.com <laughs> and saying, what are like the seasons to start with? And what you will get when you ask most Survivor fans that is they're going to give you the best of the best, like the flashiest seasons of Survivor that have like the big moves and the iconic players. And 
while I obviously love and appreciate those seasons, I would start you on a more nuanced season, like a deeper cut to sort of understand the nuances of the game and work your way up. I've seen people recommend that people start with season 20, which is Heroes versus Villains. It's perhaps the biggest all-star season. And I'm like, you can't start people on an all-star season. That's yeah, a horrible I know mistake. Anyone. Yeah. So I would kind of begin by giving you like an entry survey into like, what do you like in your reality TV diet? And from okay. there, I would use those answers to sort of cater seasons that I think will appease that. Okay, because like I love traitors. I've gotten into Big huh. Brother again recently. So that's like my kind of vibe. I love the like backstabbing, the ha- like drama of the house. So that's what I want from Survivor. I'm not really trying to watch people like balance on a log. Like I don't care about the games. <laughs> Totally. Okay, so then I think you're going to want, like, the teens, um, because I think the early seasons is going to be a lot of balancing on a log. The 30s and, like, the modern season is going to lean really hard into, like, strategy and gameplay, which if you're a fan of the traders, you might like, but I think the teens is sort of that sweet spot of you get really interesting characters that are... I would say not exactly reality TV ready. And I mean that in the best yeah. way possible. Oh, that's, Whereas, yes, that is yeah, what I love. Survivor of today is very polished. And while I appreciate that as a genre of television, my proclivity is towards that like early 2000s when you had people on there that you were like, do you know that there's a camera on you right now? <laughs> Exactly. That is what I love about reality TV. I'm excited for like the Golden Bachelor because I feel like these old women aren't going to understand being on a TV show. That is what I love. Uh, I also am curious, like I love Big Brother for the romance and people having sex on camera. Does this happen on like, does CBS even allow? No, there's like a couple of like, you know, like in season uh, 16, Micronesia, there are like two contestants that kind of like hook up and like you see them like kissing and stuff. I would say like sex is not a huge component because they're on an island where they haven't showered and like don't have the the luxuries that you have in a house like Big Brother, such as like, you know, the ability to cleanse one's body, not in a body of water. Um, So you don't really get as much of that. And I have to say, if if Big Brother did not have the live feeds, I feel like they would cut all the sex out of the show. The reason why... Big Brother is sort of known to fans like us as like a show where like people fuck, people, people, <laughs> people get down um, is because the live feeds make it that they can't, they can't avoid that. Or if they do avoid that, then everyone would log on to Twitter and just be like, they're covering up the fact that so-and-so and so-and-so <laughs> had sex in the diary room. Yeah. And I, I mean, I honestly was shocked. I felt like an old woman when I realized like how much they let them do on Big Brother now. I was just like, since when on my Christian television are we Absolutely. just like fucking? But that that's reality TV now. <laughs> they're fucking. It's wild when I'll see that they're fucking from because I follow all of like the live feeds on Twitter, and then I'll wonder, okay, how is Julie Chen Moonves, a woman of God, going to right. either stitch this into the show in a way that is you know above board, or how are they going to cover it up entirely? <laughs> yeah. So, okay, I'm not going to get that kind of drama from Survivor. That is okay. What would you say? So you decided to watch this whole thing during quarantine. I just want to, what, what about it helped you get through that moment in time? Like for me, the show that I did was Sex and the City. I finally sat down, watched it all. Those were my girls. I was like, we're getting through this together. What about Survivor really clicked for you? 
Well, first of all, I love that we're like contrasting Sex and the City and Survivor because they're two really important series from around the same time. Um, you know, for me, I find Survivor incredibly watchable. And there are even shows that I love that I would not give that label to. Um, I've never been someone that like binges television. That's not my consumption habit. And Survivor is something that I did binge. When an episode would end, it was very much about like, grab the remote, we got to find out what's happening with Parvati and Amanda. Um, <laughs> I would say that Survivor in the, like, I would say specifically the first half of the series is cast on a level that I just have never seen out of another. The only reality show that I would put, like, at its level would probably be, like, I Love New York and Flavor of Love, I think has a similar alchemy of, like, really, really smart casting across the board. Yeah. But like when it comes to a lot of other comparable shows, your Amazing Races, your Big Brothers, et cetera, you'll usually get like a third of the cast that's really good and then two thirds that are forgettable and we always sort of just glob on to the icons. There are seasons of Survivor, especially the aforementioned heroes versus villains, where 95% of the cast, save for like Candace and maybe one other, are icons. And so you really do get these icons. And then on top of that, the ret- the amount of returning player seasons is such where you have these characters or human beings like Suri, who's one of my all-time favorite players. Okay, yes. Who- and I love Suri. Suri is also is the same Suri from Traders. Yes, and the same Suri yes. from Big Brother now. From Big Brother, yeah. It's crazy. She's my girl. Yeah, so you you really get her arc. She comes on her first season, Panama, which is season 12. She's completely a fish out of water. She's she's uncomfortable even turning over leaves. Like, that's how fearful she is of this experience. And she comes back three other times. She's played Survivor four times now. And so you get just, like, this incredible arc from a character like Suri that I don't think you get on any other television show. And yeah, I mean, and players like Suri and Parvati's and Russell's, and you just get this, there's this cinematic universe. I know people love Marvel. That's not my jam, yeah. I would say. But I would say Survivor presents that same sort of like galaxy of stars. Yeah. And that's what I like about 90 Day Fiance. I feel like it is the 90 Day universe. Like once you're in, you know all the people from all the spinoffs and you're just like, these are my people. I get it. So you're selling me on it. I am. I Now I want to start with Ceri's season. Now I'm like, I would start with my girl. <laughs> Okay, so Cerise's first season is Panama. It is incredible. I would say to our earlier point about like um, the nuanced seasons, the ones that wouldn't get recommended, no one would like, or not no one, few people would tell you to start on Panama. I am telling you, Panama is a good season to yeah. start on. Yeah. I, like, if you say Ceri, I'm in. That she yeah, I get is... It. I've like her big brother. I'm just like, she's amazing. Like, and the she's- funny thing about Suri is I always, I worried when I first saw that she was cast in the traders. Cause I was like, Oh, there's going to be a lot of people that don't know survivor. Is she going to be able to live up to the legend? Because she enters any space with a lot of like legacy behind her. And on both traders and big brother, I've been so impressed. Cause I've been like, Oh, she's just effortlessly at this level. Yes. No matter the game, no matter the game, she's ready to play it. And she will win. I yeah. just, I am obsessed with her. I'm also yeah, she, like I just to me she's she's a star. But I I'm also curious. You talk about all these all-stars coming back, sort of the fan favorites. How do Survivor fans react to someone like a Mike White who was on the show? Like I have not seen his season. I am very curious. Like does he come back? Does do people talk to him about it? Like what is that relationship? So Mike was a fan of the show from the get-go and like I would say Mike is like 
a diehard fan of the show in that like oh. he watched from the jump, but also like understands the many ways in which one can appreciate the show. Like we were saying before, some people come for the the standing on the logs. Other people come for the strategy. Other people come for the characters. Other people come for the relationships. He kind of has his eye on all of that. He actually played very late in the run. His season is 37, um, which I would Whoa. say is a top 10 season, but I wouldn't start on it. You got to earn 37 but it's a superb okay. season i thought he was on it forever ago no I yeah it's so like recent it's 10 or something i know it feels so long ago but it's yeah it's so recent so he has not yet come back to the show i had him on drop your buffs a couple months ago and asked him about if he would return and there does seem to be a willingness i think it would have to be the right alchemy of like what's the theme of the season who are the other returning players etc but someone like Mike actually did really well. I don't want to spoil too much, but I'll say he went very far in the game. And that's because, yes, one could say, I'm assuming Mike White works in Hollywood, has a, quite a bit of money, especially in comparison to many of the other players of this game. But when you ingratiate yourself with people in, in an experience as isolating as being on this island, sometimes things like that aren't really front of mind always. You really start to get to know yeah. who a person is outside of their occupation, outside of their socioeconomic status, et cetera. And so I think Mike really succeeded at the game, not because he was Mike White, the television you know, juggernaut. It, he succeeded because he was Mike White, uh, a person who came to this island and was open to developing real friendships and relationships with people in the game. So, yeah. And I mean, I'm going to be real. I'm going to guess the other people on the island probably had not watched Enlightened. I'm going to guess Sad. they were not yeah. familiar with that show. <laughs> I know. Isn't that disgusting? It's like, I yes. hopefully retroactively they corrected what I see as an egregious flaw in character. But yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I would hope at this point they were like, let's go check it out. Realize it's one of the best shows ever made. But I just always, I'm shocked people do not watch or know Enlightened. I'm like, I know. And and you would think after the success of White Lotus, there would have been sort of like that, okay, let's go back now. And like, you know, more people deep diving his early work. Yeah. Um, that really is, I think, the crown jewel in, you know, a career of great work. Yeah. Where is the discourse? Ashley, maybe we need Where's to start some. We need to start the discourse. We need to bring it back. It's time. Like, yeah. I do believe that you created the juggernaut that and just like that became <laughs> i believe like people i was trying to tell people i'm like look it is the show it's gonna change your life they weren't believing me and then you would post like the exact moments of every episode that i was like that is the that is what i want to screenshot that is what i would put and you would do that and people would be like what is this show <laughs> yeah like, i think it was sort of like uh people had like an anthropological curiosity about it because obviously like Sex and the City fans migrated. And I think there were just like curious folks that like, you know, enjoy prestige television, you know, like Sarah Jessica, whatever that, that came over to the show. But I think there were a lot of people that like discovered the show through memes or like the conversation happening on places like Twitter. And thank you for giving me the credit, but I have to say like, I share with many people, like there was a, it's a fan community. And the reason why I think yeah. that it's become such a thing is because of like, People like me, but I am not the sole person responsible. I mean, you I mean, are someone yeah. who like yeah, but no, Sarah but you are someone who like again me, so. talk about someone who I loved logging onto Twitter and seeing their take on. Um, but yeah, I think it's just something that people, whether they, I think almost like like or don't like, sort of became irrelevant when it came to end just like that, and there was just this watchability to the show and the desire to be 
in on the conversation that was this show that I think kind of like carried it over the finish line. Yeah. I just, I literally have had some fans be like, you keep talking about in just like that every episode. And it's like, I ask people what they're watching and everyone's watching it. It just comes up no matter the guest. It can be like a 45 year old man. And they're like, I can't believe that Aiden asked her for a five year break. Like who does that? <laughs> and you know, what's so fun about like topics like that is it's like, and this is reminded me of like when I used to watch sex in the city back in the day is like, you're not only discussing the plot points of the show, you're discussing how you would react to them in real life. You know what I mean? Like, would you ever be okay if a partner came to you and said, I need a five-year break to go and raise my 16 or 15 16 or 16-year-old child? 17-year-old yeah. year children. <laughs> yeah, so really the conversations are like about the show, but really they're about like us sort of being like, why did this character do this? Would I do this? What does it mean that they did this? Like, do I know people that would do this? And then you talk to someone that's like, oh yeah, I would wait five years. And you're like, wait, what? what and then okay, a what? whole conversation is born from that. So I think it was able to tap into like conversations that existed on the show, but really were ideas that like were sort of fermented by the show, but really became like whole other topics when in like, you know, group chats and whatnot. I do want your opinion on Che Diaz. I feel like you can't talk about the show without getting into the Che Diaz conversation. Totally. Um, hmm. <laughs> I... That, I just want to... That was the most, like, political, like, reserved... Uh, <laughs> like, let yeah, me really right? find my words here. <laughs> so I think it's tricky because as we've seen with some of, like, Sada Ramirez's recent... Instagram posts and things. I think it can get slippery with people misinterpreting criticisms of Che Diaz to be criticisms of Sada. So I want to be really mindful to separate that. I think Sada Ramirez yes. is an incredible actor. They do incredible, a great so job in, in, you know, in throughout their career, particularly in musical theater spaces, which I wish they would get back to. Um, I think the character of Che Diaz does not belong on this television show. And I wow. think it actually holds back both uh, Miranda and Carrie from exploring new plot avenues. But I, again, I don't blame Sada Ramirez or their performance as Che. I, if I were to ascribe blame, I would blame <laughs> the writers where I think yeah. that Che is both a poorly written character, but I also, like I said, I don't think that the character, poorly written or not, fits into the world of Andrews like that. Yeah, exactly. So for me, uh, I am the Che Diaz defender. Oh, yes. I, yeah, I love Che because they seem like they're from a totally different show. And someone was like, who let them in? Like, yeah, they're just here. Uh -huh. Like, it's just a totally out of to like tone vibe. I don't know who came up with it or thought it works. But I just love the chaos of like, why all of a sudden are we watching Che like watch their own stand up and it's not even funny and it's just like a weird moment where we're like wow Che <laughs> like I loved it when I was like okay this is gonna be just a relationship type deal this will be like you know just a lover of the week maybe or like a few months you know but then obviously Miranda will grow and move on and I hope that's where we are but then I just love that Che forced themselves into it like just force themselves into becoming kind of part of the main crew and everybody was like yeah okay sure like <laughs> like we don't really understand uh, like like why is che at this big dinner at carrie's thing and then it's like 
sure, Carrie just loved her podcast host that much. <laughs> of her failed, canceled podcast. Failed, canceled podcast. Also, why was Che seated next to Carrie with Miranda down at the end? The end of the table. Like, that really has stuck with me. Now, tell me this much. As, like, the Che defender, because I, I, yes. I, I, I love an in defense of, always, um... Tell me, where do you want to see the character of Che go with season three, being that I think that we've tied up everything with regard to the Miranda Che storyline in that we got them back to, like, a neutral place. Like, that scene in the kitchen in the finale was kind of like, what was this? It was a disaster, but glad it happened. Glad We're it good. happened. We can laugh and move on. And then, of course, Che is now sleeping with, I don't know, like an NYU freshman or something. Yeah, that, that <laughs> was another difficult pill to swallow. I don't know. Also, what is with everyone on the show, like, not being able to separate workplace and, like, romance? Because it's like, Carrie's fucking the podcast producer. Che is now this person that they met, this Toby person, through work. This person came into the vet clinic. It's like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta separate that. Yeah, but oh, I, Seema, fucking the 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 realtor, or the, excuse me, the film director. Yeah, the film director. It's I yeah. I mean, and well, I guess the oh, what's her name? Nia. Nia's dating the chef she met at the bar, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But I just want Che to stay to pretend to be a friend to Carrie because I they have done no work to really show us like Carrie and Che care about each other. They're such good friends. But then Carrie is bringing Aiden to, like, Che's set and (laughs) sitting there while Che, like, tears her friend apart. And you're just like, okay, I guess Carrie is really close with Che now. And I want to just see more of that because it all feels so fake and ridiculous. But I really just want to see Che go on more ridiculous dates. Like, I want that to be part of it. Like, Carrie's like, Aiden's gone for five years. Like, Che, help me get on the scene. And we just get more, like out-of-place Che moments where they're pulling a bong out in, like, a club and being like, I've got the pots on me. I just, that's what I need. That's what I love Che for. If that gets Carrie back into the club, then (laughs) I'm all for it. Because I need Carrie out and about. Yes. Like, I need Carrie dating. We got that a little bit. Like, they gave us what the uh, guy she, like, hits who's on his bike or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, here we go. Like, we're really going to see her be single and, like, do it up again. Maybe even somebody, like, who wants to get peed on again. Like, let's really go. Like, it's dating in 2023. It's wild out here. And instead we get Aiden. I feel like there's an opportunity for, because, you know, you brought up the the politician that wanted to pee on her. And it's like, I feel like there are more opportunities to do either a single episode revolving door or just, you know, peppered in throughout season three of like, yeah. bring back those past men of the week players and sort of revisit the like, okay, now that it's 20 plus years later, is this, is there a possibility of rekindling this? Even if it's just for a night, I would love to see people like John Slattery back on the show, back in, yes. you know, back in the saddle. Back in it. And then just really kind of calling the show out and being like, you really were kink shaming. And now like, yeah. But the fun twist would be if Carrie is now into it and he's like, that was something I did when I was younger. Like, that's not my thing anymore. (laughs) Like, I feel like if we're going to do it, it's like, let's like, let's subvert a little bit. And like, because one of the big criticisms of Carrie and just like that Carrie, which I have to say, and just like that Carrie and Sex and the City Carrie are two different characters to me. Yeah. 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 And just like that Carrie is pretty sex negative, one could say. I mean, she had trouble saying the word vagina on her podcast. So I feel like another sort of course correction, if you will, that we could do with season three is like, 
you know, bring back, you know, the sexual anthropologist that we first met in the pilot episode of the original series. Yeah, I just, I don't know why they, I feel like Miranda and Carrie are totally different, but everything with like Carrie this season being disgusted when Charlotte is like, yeah, my husband comes on me and she's like, oh my goodness. It's like, we need Samantha back is basically what it is. <laughs> I mean, it would save all, I mean, in more ways than one, it would save all of our, and any problem that we have could be remedied simply by bringing Samantha back into the mix. However, part of me is like, there's a world in which we're misdiagnosing the problem and thinking that like Samantha would, because like if Samantha were to show up, and I and I say if, because I, I really do hold out hope, in my mind, yeah. I'm like, oh, well, everything will be fixed. And I'm like, there's a world in which it's like, that is just, you know, that's the wrong band-aid on the wrong boo-boo. But, but yeah. I'm, I'd like to see her back. And did you watch Glamorous on Netflix with Kim Cattrall? <laughs> I watched two episodes. Okay, I was actually obsessed with it and oh. loved it. And to me, I basically was like, oh, this is Samantha. Like, this is... Yeah, I was like, oh, this is Samantha's and just like that. Like, this, she started a makeup company and here we are. And if you watch it from that way... It's a great show. It's basically just like a gayer Emily in Paris, but it's probably not going to get another season because I'm the only person who watched all of it. So <laughs> I think she'll be free to come back to, to come to and just like that full time. Okay. Or if it gets a second season, maybe we get a phone call from Carrie from yes. Glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> I would lose, I, I alone would lose my shit because again, I'm the only one watching. <laughs> <laughs> If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. But how do you feel? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? Get to GNC. We'll help with solutions to address those side effects and keep you going on your journey. GNC. Imagine bold, naturally aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger. Eating thick-cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag. <sighs> it's nice to dream about cheese for a bit. Tillamook Cheddar. Extraordinary Dairy. TV, I say. So I, I actually do want to get into some uh, strike and entertainment news because it's been a big week. It's yeah. been a big week. And I have got to talk to someone about Drew Barrymore. I... Need to Me process too. this. <laughs> I thank you because I mean, look, last week, a few days ago, Drew was like, My show's coming back. I know strike, but like, I have to do this because my show brings joy to the world. And during a difficult time like this, people need a daytime talk show with me, Drew Barrymore. And so I have to bring my show back and scab. And we're doing it without writers. And obviously, the backlash was huge. Uh, she was not like the first person to scab. There's also the View, uh, dancing dances with dances with stars, dancing with stars, dancing, dancing with, with stars. stars. I don't even. Yeah. I'm like I was gonna oh, say right, shows that. Yeah, I like your title. Let's go with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like it's been on for 30 years. I've never watched a moment of it. Uh, and then obviously Bill Maher also the same day was like I will also be scabbing, and nobody really cared. Everyone was like they suck. So like of course they're gonna do that. But with Drew, it was like she burned through all of her goodwill immediately. Everyone started coming for her. Everyone was like, sister, I hope you'll really listen, grow and learn, and I'll do this. And over the weekend, after posting an apology video that failed, <laughs> that uh, just became a parody for people, uh, she corrected course and decided that she is going to stick with the strike. She's not going to bring the show back. They're going to postpone until there's a deal. 
Uh, and everyone was like, good. Some people said too little, too late. To me, I think she, you know, fixed her mistake. She owned up to it. She's not doing it. Thank you, Drew. But more importantly, her doing that seemed to get all the other people to realize, oh, we sh- we're like, we suck for doing this. Like even Bill Maher now is like, we're going to wait. I'm not going to bring the show back. Uh that's crazy to me. That's the part where I'm like, wait, <laughs> like she got Bill Maher to do the right thing. Yeah. And I'm just like, is that the power of Drew Barrymore? Like, what is it that like she was able to just really get people upset about this? I think it's kind of like the perfect storm in a lot of ways, because as you said, it's like it was remarkable watching so much goodwill that so many of us have for Drew, both as a talk show host, but also as like the star of all of our favorite movies, to watch that dissipate so quickly, I think speaks to, I think it's less about Drew than it is like where we are at as a society right now in terms of like our, I don't want to say desire to cancer, cancel people, but I would say our willingness to not try and give people the benefit of the doubt. The reality is that Drew was wrong here. She made a bad yeah. decision. And at one point she did double down on that bad decision. But it's also true that good people make bad decisions from time to time. And I think that I saw a lot of bad faith takes out there about Drew that I thought were disappointing. And I think one thing, you know, people can feel differently about it. I'm of the mindset where I would rather reward people that make a mistake who ultimately come around and do the right thing. But I do think that there's nuance here. I saw a great tweet from Francesca Ramsey, who's just done such fantastic coverage. Yeah. All throughout the strike. And she was saying, well, what about the people that like never made the mistake in the first place that aren't sort of getting the same sort of, you know, reverence that people are giving to Drew. And like that point is absolutely valid, right? Like we, there are people who never return to work. I mean, there's a a great uh, post on Instagram that Janelle James made. I was um, literally going to bring up Janelle James's post (laughs) where she was like I've denied so much work and yeah and she's like and I could tell everyone about it and have PR leak that and look like a hero but I don't need that and I was just like she's so amazing (laughs) exactly and like I think it goes back to like this idea of like good faith bad faith where I felt and and, you know maybe I'm biased because I I really do love Drew and I was so disappointed um but I ultimately think that a lot of people that were expressing frustrations anger disappointment with her I thought that some of that was coming from wanting like a bad faith place of not recognizing her, the the weird position that she had been put in. Um, and maybe I'm giving, maybe you could say, well, like I'm giving her too much credit. Who's to, who's to say, but ultimately it's a story with a happy ending. Well, happy is relative, right? Because happy ending would be that we end the strike. We with, have a deal. You know, <laughs> yeah, we have a deal. Yeah. But I think it was a great moment um, in that she ultimately did the right thing. I think the question now is like, uh, with all of this, now that she's done the right thing, so like, what is the next conversation in terms of, you know, I've talked to many people in the industry uh, who tell me that like the most important thing we can do right now is rally fans, right? Because it's like ultimately consumers that have the power in all of this. So I think the question is like, now that the Drew news cycle has ended, it's like, what's the next course of news outside of, you know, returning to the bargaining table, but like, how do we, and I say we, people outside of the industry like myself, how do people like us continue to create positive momentum for the WGA and for SAG-AFTRA to help um, make the AMPTP put pressure on them to feel like it's not just these two unions, it's also consumers like us who, who give a shit. 
Yeah, and want to see the people who make the shows we love get paid fairly. Yeah, it's come seems on. so simple. <laughs> and obviously, these studios don't know what they're doing. Uh, another news item I have to get into uh, because I just found out this morning: they canceled Winning Time. They canceled HBO's Winning Time today. Uh, so the finale that aired last Sunday is a series finale. Uh, and apparently when they delivered the finale, they gave two cuts, one in case they get a renewal, one in case they didn't. Ugh. And like the a few days before they heard which version HBO was going to air and they were like, oh, we're not coming back. That is like... Did you watch Winning Time? I did watch Winning Time. I didn't know it was canceled until right now. I'm so sorry you had to find no, out that's, this oh, way. Don't, don't you apologize. <laughs> Let's have the studios apologize. I mean, now we'll never know what happens to the Lakers. Uh, wow. I'm heartbroken. <laughs> but they decided to cancel it. I mean, I I do know the second season was hurting for viewership. Uh, one of the, like, directors of an episode was posting on Twitter a lot, being like, really, people, we need you to watch. Like, the show is struggling. Uh, I think they said the episode before the finale got, like, 200,000 viewers, which, I mean, is better than The Idol. Like, they're doing better <laughs> than that. Uh, and certainly cost less. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I think most people, though, were shocked because this seemed like HBO's next big prestige moment. It seemed like the thing that they were going to be like, it's our succession replacement. It's our like Sunday tune in TV. And it just didn't really seem to click with people. Why do you think that right? Is? Well, but I also think that this is a strategy that the studios are using, which is that they're canceling beloved shows like this, which, again, yeah. outrage consumers, but to people in the industry, we recognize that we're throwing the tomatoes at HBO, right? But there's a faction of people that are like, this is all because the actors and writers can agree to a deal and get back to work. So I think it's really important that consumers and those outside the in industry, even with a tertiary knowledge of this situation, we understand that the target in a situation like this, in terms of throwing our vitriol, is at the studios. Right. It's the studio's fault, okay? It's not, it's not the union's. They want the shows back. It is totally. the studios. Uh, we also got the cancellation of The Great, which broke me. Broke me that we lost The Great. Uh, and then they also just canceled the Wonder Years reboot that was on ABC. And it's just a slaughter. Like, I don't know what TV is going to look like after the strike. Right, because this is only going to continue. I think what'll be curious as we stretch into fall and, and then into winter, you know, there has been so much stuff that was pre-taped or slotted, you know, filmed pre-strike, slotted to go out over these last few months. But like that content is be going to begin to dry up in the next couple yeah. of months. We really, from the consumer perspective, I wouldn't say we felt the effects of the strike too, too much. Um, yeah. Even I'm seeing like new magazine shoots coming out and I'm like, oh, wow, this... I guess was taped or I guess this was filmed right. or, uh, you know, shot. I mean, you can, so, yeah. Some stuff I'm like, okay, they knew this strike was going to yeah, happen some and, stuff is, and it, they packed yeah. up some of these interviews. Yeah. I am curious to see in the coming months, how much consumers, the people that have sort of chosen not to engage with this or not, or, or done so because they were like, how does this impact me? I think it will begin to impact um, consumers more in the coming months when it starts to be like, there are no more Barbies. There are no more Oppenheimers. Like there's not going to be new movies yeah. and new television coming out. So what happens then? Yeah. And I'm, I'm afraid. I think that's yeah, when we're going to see it, the, it's the real out there reality shows. I think that's when it's going to be like, they're showing us like reality shows from like, 
uh, England and stuff. And we're just like, okay, fine. Like, if this is what we have. <laughs> the worst part will be when we start to appreciate that because we're like, well, at least it's something. I feel like that will be the darkest yeah. moment when we're like, well, thank God we're getting, you know, the traitors, Lithuania, because it's like, okay, well, we need something. <laughs> Okay, I would absolutely watch the Traders Lithuania. Um, <laughs> I know, me too. Like, I would absolutely be into that. But any version of the Traders, I will watch all of it. This is true. I've heard through the grapevine that there is the Traders season two, the US season two that's coming. I've heard some rumblings about casting, and I think that there are some exciting, Ooh. some exci- there's some reasons to get excited about season two. I, oh my, what can you tell us? <laughs> I can't say anything outside of the fact that there are some people that I think people will know and be excited to see back on their screens. Okay, okay. I mean, my favorite after Suri was Kate from Below Deck. Yeah, I, I know. I'm a big Below Deck head. I love Kate. And I was just like, if I was there with her, I would follow her to the ends of the earth. Like, she would have been the person that I'm like, I vote however Kate votes. Yeah, not great at the game, um, but great no. at the Horrible television at the show. Game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is also, like, kind of how she is on Below Deck. Like, she's not very good at her job. Totally. And you know what, honestly? really make good TV. Exactly. Well, and also, like, if everybody comes in and is just game-minded, I feel like the show can suffer. I feel like you need your Kates and your Ceres. You kind of need that, that alchemy of both in order to make a great season of television. So I certainly appreciate having an antagonist like Kate, even though... I don't think she was long for the game, but she was longer than I thought she was going to be. <laughs> true, true. You know, I really, everyone just hated her immediately. So I was like, they're going to kick you out right away. But no, she made it to yeah. dropping barrels of money and just being like, I don't give a shit about this anymore. Yeah, I feel like having Brandy out so early, who was her um, ally early on in the game, yeah. actually benefited her. I think you see this a lot on Survivor, where you'll have a do. I mean, I think we're witnessing right this right now on Big Brother with Suri and Jared, where... You think having a duo or a trio is great, right? Because you've got more numbers, but sometimes it can actually be behoove of you to sort of go it alone because you have less of the baggage of having a partner, but also sort of like the constant shine of people thinking, well, you're a twosome, right? Like that, that your threat level is automatically raised. And so I think Kate benefited from having Brandy gone because it was like, you know, she's a free agent, but also she's not going to do anything. She's just Kate. Yeah, and that made Kate angry and bitter for the rest of the game because she was like, you losers took my friend away. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And we were like, and then for us at home, we were like, well, thank God, it made for great TV. It was such good TV. I cannot wait for the Traders to come back. Have you done the Traders UK? Yes. Okay. Oh, I've done them all. I'm obsessed with it. It is... Like, that was, I would say, the show that got me kind of back into that style of reality show because, like, I hadn't really watched Big Brother and all that stuff in so long. And then Traders, I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm back in. I need to know who these people are, like, what's going on with these reality people. It's just, I mean, the castle, everything about it is just genius. Good production. I think that UK did a much better job than any of, than US in particular, because it cast older people. I'm always a proponent of casting 40 plus on, that's why The Golden Bachelor to me is like inherently intriguing. Um, But I feel like with uh, with The Traders, my one sort of issue with it, and, and I do love the show, like, the actual strategy is very light on a game like that. Like a lot of like your perception of who is a traitor is really based on nothing. But if you can kind of like smooth your brain over a bit while you watch it and sort of like accept the fact that like, this is not a game rooted in logic, but I got to say like, 
coming from the survivor sphere where like everything is sort of like she had a conversation with them, which let like everything feels very like you can trace all the steps of how a thought pattern began with the traders. It's sort of like she blinked at me this morning. She's got to go. It's literally like when the rest of us all had our eyes closed and looked up from the table, she looked up last. She did it. She's yep. And it's like. Yep. And then sometimes she is. And then they were like, okay, we knew. We knew. We were able to tell. And then it's yeah. like you get every single one wrong. Watching them just like fail at guessing the chip. Oh, my favorite part of the show. Yeah, it's good uh, stuff. Okay, so I want to know your watch list. What are you watching right now? What should What should the listeners at home be watching? Well, it's interesting because it's like, I feel like when And Just Like That ended, I feel a little bit like I'm looking for my next thing at the moment. So that's how I felt. And Just Like That ended. And I don't know who I am anymore, what I'm supposed to do with my life. What What do I do? Yeah. Well, we need a support group, first of all, because I feel yes. like we're not alone here. So I am going to begin the morning show season three. Um, I have not delved into the waters that is the morning show, but I read, well, obviously I'm intrigued. I'm a huge Greta Lee fan. She's like... One of my one of my faves. So that had me intrigued. Yeah. And then obviously the cast and John Hamm joining the cast. There's a lot of reasons. My question is, do I go back and do season one or two, or just do I start and capitalize on the freshness of a season three? That part I am not yet decided yeah. on, but I feel and like there is a time jump with season three. So there's oh. like because honestly, season one and two are a mess. I have watched the show and I wasn't sure about season three until critics were like. It is such a different show. Like they do a time jump to kind of go, let's remove ourselves from that mess that we were. <laughs> but I would say you don't need to go back. It is really not worth going back. Okay. It is... Then I think I'll just start fresh. Yeah. Start fresh. Cause I think going back would, if this new season is good, it will just taint it. Like the second season, they clearly didn't know what they were going to do, but they were like, well, we want to get into the me too stuff, but we have to like kind of get rid of this bad guy. And it's, just a weird thing where they're like trying to make you sad that Steve Carell's character has to leave the show. And it's just, just totally off. Mm. And the best part of the show is when uh, the two main girls are like working together and trying to like take over and do everything. And it seems like that's the energy of the new season. So I, I'm hopeful, but I wasn't that excited to start it because I've watched the show before. So I was like, okay, another season of that, I'll put it on someday when I'm doing laundry. But now that I'm hearing like, okay, there's a time jump. It's so much better. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe Apple TV fixed it. And to your point, I feel like I'm seeing all of those glowing reviews that are making me go, okay, well, maybe, maybe I missed the boat, but like I can still, you know, no. swim out and, and, you know, <laughs> they can throw out a lifeline and I can jump in. So I'm watching, so I'll, I'll, I'll start on that. I'm really into the Real Housewives of New York reboot um, that is currently airing. That's sort of occupied a lot of my headspace. And then honestly, just like I'm deep in Big Brother and then the new season of Survivor premieres in two weeks. And I feel like that will be, that'll be my, 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 my brain for the next. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be what holds you until, and just like that comes back eventually. Exactly. (laughs) And it's jumping to 90 minute episodes Oh. And, like, fans are so excited. And meanwhile, in my mind, I'm like, oh, God, no. Because I have to recap it, too, the following morning. So I'm, like, less content, just more, like, compress the storytelling. Compress, don't expand. Please. Yeah, don't expand. When they did that with 90 Day Fiance, I was recapping for Vulture and thought I was going to lose my mind with this. Extra. I would just be like, please, I just want this to be over. I love the right. show. But do I really need extra footage of someone just like getting their nails done? Like it would always be stuff that you're like, this is not necessary. <laughs> no, it's like I miss the days of like a tightly edited 
30-minute reality show, you know, a la The Hills, where it's like, you know, the plot of this episode is they get on a boat and they have a fight. And we're going to make sure that we get, you know, 22 minutes. We're going to squeeze every last drip from that lemon. I'm surprised that the solution, I mean, I guess it's probably a matter of advertising dollars, right? You can get more money. You still shoot the same amount of footage, but you just get more ad dollars. So I understand yeah. from, well, I mean, understand is probably the wrong word. I, I recognize why they're doing yes, it. I see um, why they're doing this stuff. Right, but I'm just always of the mindset of like, you know how like that, that common trope of like, could this have been an email instead of a phone call? Yeah. I feel that way about the expansion of like, couldn't we have just kept it to 60? Why are we couldn't going we, Yeah, really, what did I get out of this? What did, what did this extra time really give me? Exactly. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. You look good. But how do you feel? How about the stomach issues? Loss of muscle mass? Lacking energy? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? The answer is GNC. We have solutions that can help address those side effects and make sure you don't get knocked off your path. Because when it comes to living healthy, we're all about it. And that includes keeping you going on your GLP-1 journey. GNC. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. TV, I say. Where's the next Survivor located? Where are they doing it? They don't move anymore. Um, they are what? always at the same beach in Fiji. Oh wow! I feel like that. I don't know because doesn't that? I feel doesn't that make it like easy to cheat or something? <laughs> like, yeah, it's also been consolidated. Beginning with season forty-one, it went down from thirty-nine days to twenty-six days. Yeah, talk about budget oh. cuts. So we're getting less time on the island, but more lengthier episodes. It's very suspect. So there are rumors, and I'm saying this rumor in the hope that it becomes a reality. There are rumors that the Fiji tourism board that CBS Paramount has the deal with, that that contract is lapsing after next season. So there's the possibility that the show could return to traveling all over the globe. Because one of the fun things I remember about, you know, first falling in love with the show was that they would go to all of these different regions and have to adapt to that region. Whereas now it's sort of like they get to the island, they know the island because they they've know seen the island on yeah. TV for how many seasons? I like, yeah, I always thought it was like, you have to adapt to this new weather. Like, the climate. Like, what's it going to be like? Oh, no, it's like, can we drink this water? Like, where can we fish? I don't know. Like, and they're, <laughs> they're given water now. Wow. I know. A lot has changed. It's like, it's funny to begin this journey with this show, you know, two or three years ago now because... Having binged it all, it's like, I'm like, oh, I wish things could have, you know, could be back to how they were. But also it's like, how it's like, it's all new to me. And yet I have such a reverence for the old. And then there are like actual fans that have like been on this 23 year journey. Whereas like, I'm fed up with all these changes, but it's like, I can't imagine had I known the show to be its old format and then watched as they chipped away at like 
There's other things too. I mean, the theme song is gone. You know, the iconic what? Survivor theme yeah. song? No more. Yeah, they've- well, Why do you get rid of a theme song? What, they I don't lose know. the rights? It's like, like... Well, especially with 90 minutes, maybe we'll get it back, you know? I mean, 90 minutes, you gotta have a theme song for a You gotta have a theme song. <laughs> and is, I mean, Jeff Probst is still hosting, right? He is still hosting. Oh, that did, how do we feel about that? <laughs> Um, I, I, I respect a legacy. I will kiss the ring. Um, I think he is an icon, an institution. I think that I hope for some changes that I don't think that he recognizes or would be willing to bring about. Um, Mm -hmm. but I would not deny the fact that he is a great host and a great executive producer and built this castle that, you know, I like to pop into from time to time. So yeah, I respect Jeff. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That was a fair answer. Okay. <laughs> I would say I feel similarly, well, not, but like, it's, it reminds me of like Michael Patrick King with just Like That, where sometimes I'm like, why is this decision being made? But I'm ultimately like, you know what? This person is way smarter, way more talented than I am. So just because it's not what I would have done, my mind is never like, my way is better. I'm more like, I wish they would have done this, but they did this. So what but am I going to do you with... Know, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure Michael has his reasons for everything that happened in that final episode of In Just Like That, which felt like it was from a completely different season and did not match with like any episode that came before it. But, you know, <laughs> uh, I do want to share one from my watch list. Uh, yeah, please. Because this is maybe one of the like most shocking things I've seen a reality show do. Uh, I am so into the Love After Lockup and Love During Lockup series. I know that it is some of the worst television made. It is so uh, evil, honestly. <laughs> like, it's just so clear the producers, like, will find people they know are scamming people. It is not like 90 Day Fiance where you're like, some of these people are truly in love. They just are looking for drama. I don't care. I love the show. Can't, you know, and a new season of Love After Lockup has just started. Uh, so this is the version where people are coming out of jail, getting with their partner finally, and we see what happens. And as this new season started, they put up a warning beforehand that's like, this season was recorded before Asante died. And I was like, what? <laughs> Wait, what? And I'm like, is this like someone's brother in the show or something? Like a minor character? No, this is like a main person in one of the couples died in a car crash after the filming the season. And we TV just went, you know what? Let's just air the footage anyway. Let's just keep him in the show. Let's just do it. Like, I can't think of any other reality show that I think would have someone in the couple die and then just go, you know what? Let's just air it. Let's just, you know, we got to get the story out there. It's so important that the world knows he cheated on this woman. (laughs) Now, do you think that his family, like, provided sign-off or like it's just that's not the kind of show that that this is (laughs) we tv does not seem like the kind of place that is getting any sort of approvals or sign-off from anyone like so because then i had to look it up he died in a car crash not too long after filming ended and it came out that you know he had been cheating on the girl he was on the show with which we all kind of suspected and that's what like producers are teeing up But, like, they're also, like, he died in a car crash. And they keep in this footage where they're in a car together. She's driving. And she, like, is looking at her phone. And he's, like, can you keep your eyes on the road? I'm not dying in a car crash. And I was just, like, why would they keep that in in the show? And that's when I started to be, like, I don't know that I can support this as a production anymore. Like, 
what are we watching? <laughs> Do you know what this makes me think of? Because, you know, obviously there's been so much conversation about Bethany Frankel and her reality reckoning. Yeah. I feel like this is a great example of like, yeah, maybe reality stars should unionize because this sounds exploitative to say the least. Yeah, some union somewhere would be like, hey, no, you can't use the footage of the dead guy. Like, yeah. no. You don't care if it's thrilling television, which honestly, they're not even that interesting as a couple. Like they could not be in the show and it would be fine. Mm -hmm. I had to talk to someone about that. I had to tell the world because I think I'm one of like 10 people who watches Love After Lockup. Well, if Glamorous had only one viewer... At least you're among nine others with Love After, uh, Love After yeah. Lockup. It's a, it's a little more popular. I know because the only way to watch it is on WeTV if you have cable or you have to watch illegal streams on YouTube. So we have a very active comment group on YouTube on these illegal episodes. And even for this one, I mean, they're YouTube commenters. They're usually not nice people. But even for this, people were like, this feels super insensitive. I can't believe they kept him in the show. <laughs> and I was like, when you have YouTube commenters yeah, going, like, That's hey when guys, you know. You've done too much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I am so, so happy that you were able to do the pod. This was absolutely amazing. I wanted to talk to you about Survivor and Just Like That for so long. And you've given me all the information I need to really jump into Survivor. And I think the listeners are going to be happy. I am going to do it. Okay. I'm going to do it. We'll maybe have to do another episode once I'm in. I was going to say, I I would love... I would love to have you do it. and Because I'm a big... So on my podcast, my co-host Sean has been a fan from the jump. So he's sort of like the old school, I'm the new school. <laughs> I would love the opportunity to like have your first reactions as as you are now the new school and I would assume the old school status. And it's like, I love... Yes. I feel like your perspective on it would like inform me so much because I feel like I've gotten a little bit... J- well, this is assuming that you enjoy it. But like, I feel like <laughs> I've gotten a little bit jaded on it. I would love the perspective of someone new. But also if you hated it, I'd be interested in that too. I, yeah. I feel like I'm going to love it, but... It won't bore you. Like, knowing what I know of your media diet, it's like this slots in nicely. Yeah, so I am so excited. Evan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for joining TV Club. Uh, And also, listeners, we've been talking about the strike. We're still going. We're still out here. And if you want to support the actors and the writers... Uh, If you're in L.A. or New York, you can join us on a picket line. You can drop off snacks, food, water. Uh, It has been very, very hot, so help us out. Uh, Or you can donate money to the Entertainment Community Fund, which helps non-actor Hollywood crew members who suffer hardships due to the strike. You can donate at entertainmentcommunity.org and make sure to direct your gift to the film and television category when asked. Maybe Drew Barrymore should have heard about that. Maybe she should have just... (laughs) Make a little donation, Drew. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. TV I say with Ashley Ray. Another episode, another episode. TV I say with Ashley Ray is an Earwolf production made by me, Ashley Ray Harris. It's engineered by Abby Aguilar, produced by Anita Flores, executive produced by Amelia Chapelo, and our original theme song is by Rafia. It means so much to me if you go rate, review, subscribe, follow TV I Say. Let us know what you think and tell your friends. Share with your golden girls. Tell your boys. If you love my TV recommendations, let everyone you know know. For special TV club members, join my Patreon.
If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. But how do you feel? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? Get to GNC. We'll help with solutions to address those side effects and keep you going on your journey. GNC. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 